podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have a guest today. Her name is Sabrina Donito, and she wrote a book called Enlightenment Codes for Cosmic Ascension. It's an incredible book. It's a dense book. It's incredible. There's so much information in there. We're going to talk to Sabrina about it in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil. The highest quality CBD oil available on earth, period. There's only one place you can get it, and there's only one man that can make it. A man named Howard Hitt, a.k.a. Big H, created a proprietary extraction method to extract the CBD from the hemp flower. It's called the Hit Extraction Method. It involves no chemicals, no solvents, no gases. It's completely natural. His product is 100% organic. The hemp is 100% organic, Oregon grown hemp. Everything about it is incredible. You can put it on your body. You can put it in your body. Howard has the King Cobra extra strength, little King Cobra regular strength and wild thing CBD for pets. There's also a money back guarantee. So if you are not satisfied with the product in any way, You can keep the product, you get your money back. If you had to pay shipping, you get that money back too, but you may not have had to pay shipping because we have a discount code that gets you free shipping on any order in the continental 48 United States. That discount code is big H B I G and the letter H put that in the box at checkout. You get free shipping. And please, people, I tell people about this every episode. It's incredible CBD oil and the ocean of CBD products. There's nothing else like this because of that hit extraction method. That's what makes it unique. And that's what makes it the best CBD oil. So check it out, people. Go there, bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And when you're done with that, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podchaser, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us so you know what's happening instantly. You get that notification on your phone or your device And it's instantaneous. And most importantly, as I always say, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts that would be very interested in learning about enlightenment codes. Because I know I am, and I, I was before I checked out our book, I still am. Tell that person, you know them, bring them here, midnightonearth.com. All right, so... 
We're about to have an incredible conversation with Sabrina Donito. But first, I have to read her bio. Sabrina Donito listens with her inner senses to the realm beyond manifestation, moving between form and formlessness. She deepened her inner knowledge in spiritual psychology, alchemical healing, Egyptian mysteries, Merkaba teachings, and transpersonal therapy to access the world beyond thought and form. Since 2008, she works as a spiritual teacher and cosmic midwife of new consciousness. She practices breathwork, regression and incarnation therapy, family constellations, voice dialogue, and multidimensional Merkaba healing and reading. She has also developed her own Venus light technology for soul embodiment. Sabrina works with adults and children to integrate the light into their hearts and bodies. She works with many ascended masters and is initiated into the lineage of Toth Hermes Trismegistus. Her innate gifts as a visionary run like a thread through her life and her work. Internationally, she travels to sacred places to activate and reveal their pristine blueprint. Sabrina holds an MA in Romance Literature, Linguistics, and Philology. She also speaks Dutch, English, French, and Italian. I can barely speak English. Her workshops and trainings are given in English, French, and Dutch. Currently, she lives in Flanders, Belgium, where she teaches, guides, and writes. And she is here with us today. Hello, Sabrina. How are you in Belgium today? Hello. Hi. Thank, thank you, you for joining so us. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. I know we have a big time gap. We're across continents, but somehow we're in the same space, at least psychically. Yes, that's true. So I want to talk about your book. Your book is mind blowing. It, there is so much deep, advanced information in there that I'm wondering where you got this from. This is, that was the first thing because you seem like such a sweet, nice, angelic woman. And this information seems to be coming from the core of the universe, the core of all knowledge. It's very mind blowing. So where did this all start for you? How did you develop this spirituality? Um, yeah, that's a good question, Jake. I, I think that um, in my 20s, I started to deepen myself in spirituality. Um, I always felt that um, I couldn't take enough, um, I couldn't take enough deepening and I felt something was missing. So I started to develop myself at that age. And um, gradually I became more and more clairvoyant uh, clairsentient, and I started to do readings. So um, I started to do readings of people, um, houses, places. And while working with people, I um, developed more and more my skills. So, um, yeah, I think um, also in my, in my father line, I have to say that um, I believe that there are people that are more clairvoyant and 
than average, so it must also come from there. <laughs> um, but I mainly, I mainly developed it uh, through uh, through the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. So essentially, training with other people, starting somewhere, and then as you did readings, as you connected with people, your talents, your your experience grew. Um, it fine tuned. It was already there. Okay. Um, it was already there, but it fine tuned, and I, I have always been very, very um, interested in deepening my own connection, my own connection with Source, um, with the heart of Mother Earth, and being the connection in between, being a channel uh, for that. Um, so I've always very diligently um, did energetic cleanings and energetic. Um, um, alignments for myself on that area. Wow. So you've always been developing this since you had your kind of activation in your twenties, you started pursuing this and you've kind of, I guess you could say always been on top of it. You've always been maintenancing energetically. Um, I would say yes. Um, I remember that my mother said when I was a child that I could say the strangest things, um, but until today, she never explained me what. So um, my sense is that um, I had some insights when I was a child, seeing things, seeing beings, light beings. And my children have that too. They, they can say, okay, um, well, my son always says there is a man here and he has the color of the wind. So he always says that. And um, my mom says that I, I said those things too, but I think that between my early childhood and my 20s, somehow it got lost. And then I, in my 20s, I picked it up again. Interesting. So you always had that frequency. You were always a little more developed, like you said, spiritually. Perhaps you've had thousands of lifetimes. Perhaps you are a Pleiadian starseed or or you are incarnating as a human this time when other lifetimes, perhaps you didn't. And that's why you have these incredible abilities and your children do. Maybe <laughs> it's all speculation, but I do want to ask you, this is a big statement. You said you were initiated into the lineage of Hermes Trismegistus. How does yes. a person do that? What does that mean? What does it mean to be initiated into the lineage of Hermes? And how did that process happen? Actually, um, that was a very beautiful moment that happened in Egypt. Oh. Um, I was in Abydos. And I visited the temple and I was there um, for a couple of days. And I wandered through that temple and I wandered and I touched the hieroglyphs uh, etherically and I, I took the whole temple in my being. And I had already done several temples in that journey. And on a certain evening, I was, I was in my hotel room and I was meditating and um it happened it happened in just a couple of minutes because it's it's a big statement but it only took a couple of minutes wow. and um there was toast coming to me and he he had a staff and uh, in his hand and um he told me that um i was ready to take his wisdom and bring it into the world and then i he told me that i could carry his staff and it was a very emotional moment um, at the time because, um, um, well, it was a bit overwhelming. Um, 
when he said that, I also felt whole energy coming into my body. So um, Toth is, has always been my friend. Um, sometimes I see him as someone very old with a beard, but most of the time I experience him as, as young with a tan skin and he has this long, dark black hair up until his shoulders. He's actually quite handsome, but that's my physical view of him. So, Maybe I like him most in that way. <laughs> <laughs> but you had this experience. You said it only took a couple of minutes, but do you feel like you received some sort of upgrade when you felt that enter your body? Do you feel like something changed perhaps in your, your physical DNA or your spiritual DNA? There was a lot of light coming in. Oh. Uh, there was a lot of light coming in and a lot of golden codes. So I saw this, this, this energy, this golden yellow energy coming in. And yes, I did experience that something was, had been given to me indeed. Wow. So <laughs> would you say those are the enlightenment codes that you're talking about in your book? Like what are these enlightenment codes? Um, the Enlightenment Codes actually predate uh, the experience with Toth. Um, I, before I went to Egypt, I was busy with channeling um, well, the Venus Light technology that I have uh, posted on my website and I'm still updating it. It's going to be released, I think, in the summer or September. And I was channeling uh, and scribing uh, the information coming and the Venus light is more about uh, the creational beings of light. Um, so they're not like the Elohim angels. Uh, the Elohim angels are more um, dominantly present in one segment of the cosmos. In my book, there's I, I have a sketch about the cosmos and different segments. And there is a segment on the right side um, in the middle I would say that is a segment where we live in that part of the cosmos and you have the Elohim that are in charge of the segment. But in the, the general, uh, from the general perspective on our, of our cosmos, we have creational beings that assist um, the divine seed of lives that are born or that are given birth by the, pre, the primordial mothers. Uh, those creational beings guide those um, seeds of life into this cosmos um, and so I was working with these beings and those are the beings uh, that um, are helping me actually in um, bringing forth uh, this material um, yeah and they're light beings you would say that these are light beings so what is a light being because that's something it's a term that's thrown around quite a bit in metaphysical and spiritual communities in different thinking but for yes. you what would you describe a light being as a light being for me is a being of light um, that i perceive as a veiled um and um that can be to a certain extent more dense than, than another being. You have crystalline beings of light. You have more ethereal beings of light. You have more liquid beings <laughs> of light. Um, so these are featured also in my book. Um, so beings of light is, is more a general term and they can manifest themselves in different densities. Um, Interesting. 
Yeah, tell me. I've never heard that there are different types of light beings. I think that you're one of the first people that have ever mentioned that. That's very interesting. So you're saying that depending on the need, the situation, and the light being's purpose, they may show up in a different way. Yeah, I think that every light being can choose how it wants to show itself uh, because we all have all the potential in us. Um, but it indeed uh, can choose uh, to show itself in a, in a certain form. Um, you have the beings uh, in the cosmos that are more in the upper segment, where you have the deep oceanic waters, there are cosmic waters where sacred geometry is created. Well, these beings are liquid. Um, and here uh, we have more the ethereal beings of light. We can also have water light beings. Yeah, that depends. Interesting. But these light beings, you would say, no matter how they show up in their density, they're all loving and positive, like they have good intentions and they're good. That's what I resonate with. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel the same way, but you know, some people have different perspectives, but these light beings, they talk about a book of light and the light tablet. Can you tell me about that more? Um, a light tablet. Um, I call this book a light tablet because it's multidimensional. Um, doesn't matter how many times you read it, you keep rediscovering it. Um, I also keep discovering it again and again uh, as I read it, because there is still so much that needs to be unpacked uh, from all the codes that are in the book. Um, so, and the Book of Light is a book that is multidimensional, that has um, yeah, endless layers of consciousness, and it moves organically with you so it it moves its consciousness with yours so as you evolve um and you re reread the book you you become initiated again on deeper levels so it's endless that's why i call it a light tablet well i will say that i felt like your book was an initiation as i was reading it it felt like I was getting download after download because it was so powerful. And you go in your book to these various places. I think they're all in Egypt or mostly in Egypt where various initiations can happen. Well, yeah, you have the temples of Egypt, but it actually goes beyond because um, very often uh, I was brought to places that are really deep into the core of the earth, or even I was brought into the earth and there was a multidimensional cell that was actually in the cosmos. So it was like um, moving beyond space and time. Um, I was in earth, but at the same time, I was somewhere in the cosmos um, moving through a portal and um, being somewhere that I, I, could, I could not recognize um, smells or experiences or yeah, there was a different texture of the air is very airy and very um, high frequent. So it is in Egypt. Um, there's also a section of Iraq, the Tower of Babel. Yes. Um, and then you have, of course, the part of Anubia uh, in the Temple of Hatshepsut. Uh, so it gives access to Anubia, which is the most stargate of the earth. And this is actually I would say one of the most important important parts of the book, because the Master Stargate, the golden disc, 
as also the Mayas refer to it, is um, a reflection of our cosmic sky. And that, when I got that information and I felt it, um, I was baffled by it because it's a cosmological clock. As this stargate turns um, and it reflects the starry sky and it reflects perfectly the sky and all um, temples that's, that are aligned to the stargate initiate and activate, then we can have a cosmic ascension. But that was, that was kind of the, um, yeah, the essential part of what my cosmic ascension project is about. So did you go personally to these places that you list in your book, these various temples and interact with the beings that you talk about and go through these initiations? Or is this something that you channeled about these places? I went into the temples. So I visited those temples. Um, I visited, I think, um, I did not visit uh, the Atlas Temple in that journey, but I did visit all the other ones. Um, and this book is not really, it is about these temples because these temples represent a portal, but that's not what this book is about. And that is also why I did not want to call it um, Initiations of Egypt because it's not really about Egypt. This is about each of being a portal to multidimensional wisdom and it's a portal to cosmic ascension. So as it's not really about these temples and it's about um, the primordial places upon which the temples are built. Ah. These are about the light codes that a star people, the Council of Eight, has seeded the earth with, with. And so the Egyptians at that time and even well, even the Lemurians, they were very fine-tuned. They they were living from their soul essence, so they could feel perfectly where these places were. And they did not really build temples upon them. They just kept them pure and natural. It's just afterwards when you know temple builders wanted to construct temples that then they kind of claimed in these places. Um, so if I would only access the temples of Egypt, it would be a limited version of this book. Right. So essentially Egypt does play a huge part of it, but like you're saying, they were in tune enough that they sensed these places early on before the temples were even built. And they built the temples on top of these places because they knew they were special for lack of a yes. better term. But there's places like this all over the world, you're saying. All over the world, that's correct. The world is seeded with light coats. And um, yes, they're, they're like um, seeds waiting to be unlocked again. We have, you know, in Lemurian and well, definitely Lemurian times and also pre-Lemurian, these light coats were very much active. But with the fall of Atlantis and the dark period into which we all um slumbered into, um, <laughs> I say it like that, yeah. these light codes also encapsulated. So ah. um, we are in the Aquarius age only now that the time is, is there for them to, to awaken just as we are awakening. So it's the cosmic day, as the Mayans say. 
Yes. So these codes are now unencapsulating. They're opening up for us to access as we move into the age of Aquarius, this new earth. Yes, indeed. And I would say that the temples of Egypt or any other temple, I've been also visiting the pyramids in Bosnia, I've visited here uh, sacred places in, in England and in Belgium. When you access a sacred spot, it, it attunes to the consciousness that you have. And all these spots are multidimensional too, just as my book. So um, when you enter a sacred space, it communicates to you in the way that it can. You know, it finds the, the right wavelength. So that's the beauty about sacred places. They are endless. And that's what fascinates me so much about them. Do you think it's overwhelming for some spiritual people when they go to these places and they start to interact with that energy and it becomes very personal? Because like you said, they're, they're trying to communicate with you directly in the way that matches your frequency. Do you think that can be overwhelming for some people? Like they want to run, like they're scared, like, ah, you know? I don't know. I think that uh, in many sacred places, there have also been rituals that were not that um, loving, I would say. And I have experienced when traveling with people to places that people indeed could tune into something that was less positive also because their soul needed to to maybe clear something first. Uh, Um, And indeed, it can be also overwhelming. That's possible too. So essentially, if you're, for lack of a better term, underdeveloped spiritually and you go to these places, it could be scary because you have to work on something. But then once you do, you can go back and have a different experience. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say under uh, underdeveloped because it can happen to anyone. Because okay. in our soul history, we have lived so much. We have had so many experiences that were maybe... Um, less fortunate. And in that sense, yeah, we, we could have um, negative memories coming up at the time. That's possible. Oh, okay. That's good too. And that's, Everything, that's good too. So there's nothing wrong with that. But it does create distortion. It creates an opportunity to, <laughs> you know, align to something better once that's uh, sorted out. Yes. It just be brave, stay strong and you'll get through it. Yeah, I would say that. So the original, yeah. (laughs) Well, the original design of these structures, though, were to be transmitters of these codes. Is that correct? Yeah. um, Every structure communicates um, is is kind of a vehicle or a vessel for communication of stellar consciousness upon the earth. The Earth is here in our solar system, um, but our solar system is not group consciousness um, that the Earth belongs to. So the Earth is very much in contact with her group consciousness throughout these um, light codes. So these light codes are seated um, in the Earth's uh, crust um, and what happens is that you have these light threads that um, part from these codes and that actually connect the earth with stellar, with stellar consciousness far, far beyond. Um, 
And it's kind of a grid too. So we are actually nourished with stellar consciousness at all times. We are nourished with stellar consciousness. We are guided. We are never alone. Um, even in darker periods, there were seeds in earth that were unlocked and that wasn't meant to be. Um, well, it was meant to be, it was meant to stay locked because we had to go through that period. But at even at difficult times, we always had, um, I would say, a connection. And that is where these light codes are coming from. So you're saying during these dark periods, though, they it was still working. The codes were happening. But why was it lost? Why Why did people lose this information about the truth about these structures and these places? Was it just truly part of our development? Well... You know, when we were created um, as a soul and we moved into this cosmos or other cosmoses as well, um, we, we were all about eternal bliss and experiencing love and just developing, developing ourselves and showing uh, to our cosmic mother and father who who we are in reality, because we are an extension of them. And as we develop ourselves, they get to know themselves better because we are an extension of them. They are so surprised to see if we come to self-realization, they look at us and they are marveled because they, they know that's, that's me. So um, why, to come back to your question, there is, well, you all know we have light and we have darkness. There's a lot of talk about that as well. Um, and already since the dimensions split, we have always been subject to illusions, the illusions of dimensions, if I might say. Um, it's not really the purpose of having dimensions. Um, the illusion of being separated, um, there are also conversations going on right now about twin flames, separation, etc. It was not, it was an illusion that we were separated. That was not really the case. But darkness always tried to distort by manipulating, by creating illusions. And for me, in how I could perceive it, that is a bit what happened. And that we got into this mist of, of denser energies. But you feel like that was our destiny. Like, even though it was negative or we were in that density, it was part of our collective journey. Um, <clears throat> yeah, actually, um, what I feel is that the earth is a place where you can sculpt your light body by going inwards. It's like the totem of the phoenix. So you sculpt your light body and you go down to the depths and to the darkness and you go down. And as you go down, what happens is that you go through an initiation itself. So you learn quite a lot. So we had to go through this period of darkness and we descended into the bowels of the earth, if I may say, <laughs> um, to then ascend again. And we are rising at this moment. And as we do so, we are rising with so much power and so much um, force that um, 
that it, that is quite beautiful to see. So for me, that a bit was or is still um, what the earth offers us. You know, this descension process of descending into matter fully, into the darkness or into these deeper um, into these deeper emotions and these deeper um, situations that were more difficult to then rise again. Yeah. So as we're on this ascension trajectory, like you said, we're moving up at an incredible pace and juxtapose that with the fact that we're entering the age of Aquarius. Do you think there will ever be a dissension process again? Like as we ascend that we will go back down for some reason, or are we at a point in our development that as we achieve that ascension, we're moving up to a higher place and there's no going back. We are ascending. We are not going to descend again. Yes. Um, That's great news. <laughs> yeah, that's good, isn't it? We are not going to descend again. And I, I spoke a lot with the light being of the earth about that. And she showed me that her blue core was ignited. And the blue core, that's something very important because that's the that's one of the prima mater of a soul it's the blue core every soul has a blue core but it's the the intensity uh, of the blue core that actually um, um that indicates the level of consciousness so what's happening right now in the center of the earth and how i perceive it personally of course is that this blue core is is um radiating forcefully throughout all the layers of the earth and that's also creating it to towards the surface a lot of movement, um, a lot of movement because this this blue core energy is so powerful. This is the energy that we have in these divine verses, where there are these blue sun energy hotspots where all the avatars come from. So that is what's happening in 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 at the, uh, in the core of the earth. So this blue sun energy is now exploding. And it's moving through the, the upper layers of the earth. And all inner cities are healing. All beings that were trapped are leaving. There are not many beings anymore. The dimensions are collapsing. I've seen them collapsing in light travels that I did. And so everything is clearing up. And that is why also there is, I would say, this chaos in the world that, you know, the laws of battles are being fought and the lost... Um, uh, the lost uh, types of darkness is is trying, you know, yeah. <laughs> trying, and let's end it by that. Um, but we are ascending and at a great speed, and um, yeah, I, I have to say that's that's something that I feel um, very much into my bone, into my bone marrow, and that also you know drives me forward, and that that drives me as well. So that negative force, if it shows up as controlling humans, these entities that are anti-environment, they're greedy or whatever they are, they're not going to be able to stop anything because their negativity. But you can't stop this blue sun energy. No, you can't. It's very powerful, so it's unstoppable. <laughs> but still, even those, even though, even everything, everything wants to become light. Yes. And so this is also very beautiful for them as an opportunity to evacuate what they want to 
and an opportunity for them, for those who want to, to become like, why not? Interesting. So I wrote, yes, I wrote a section in my book. It was a section in which I was dropped into water. And I was laying on the water and I, it was a space where there was no sound. I could just hear the waves slapping. And I saw below me, um, I, I felt a turmoil. And I saw, I saw below me beings that wanted to grab me. But I knew that they couldn't. <laughs> they, couldn't they couldn't take me. So I was, I was laying very calm on this water. And I, with my inner eye, I saw them. But I wasn't worried at all. So it was very clear. This book is, 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 is very much coded. It just means that if you align to the master plan and you know we are, you, we are ascending and we do not allow us to be distorted, manipulated, or whatever, then you just follow the master plan and you ascend. So from your perspective, this ascension process, that's happening. Yes, of course. How long do you think it will take before we shed the darkness, before we move into this new earth? From your perspective. I don't know. Do you feel centuries, thousand years? I have uh, that. I, I I haven't asked anyone about that yet. Um, I know it's it's happening very fast. Yes. And, um, yeah, I would need to tune into that. All right. Well, maybe next time we have you on the show, we'll get back with that one. But you're saying though that as we ascend, the Earth will return to as it was in pre-Egyptian times where the dimensions didn't exist and the earth was just a reflection of source. Do you feel like that's when it, what's going to happen again? The d dimensions are going to collapse into our themselves and then it's just source and earth. They are already collapsing. I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's ongoing. Um, and at this moment we are, de we depend on portals um, that need to open for us to communicate you know you have portals in august and july people usually focus on special dates and things like that um, however we are moving towards a period where there will be no portals because the earth will be a portal itself so uh, that is a um wow a different ball game so is that the heaven on earth scenario? Once we're existing as a portal for divine energy, at that point, will humanity be united? Will we have that beautiful united earth that we all dream about so much? Yes. Um, yes, indeed. When that will happen, we will have um, large amounts of golden light coming in. And what happens is that we go back to a Lemurian state of being. Ah, okay. I did regressions a while ago, a couple of years ago, and um, I ended up in the Lemurian times where I was in a certain area, I saw temples, and I saw a lot of beings around me, and we were all levitating. And we were all, if we moved our hands, and then golden light 
radiated from our hands. So wow. if, if you would sway your hand in the air, you would sway golden light. Th that were the images that I saw. And so when this the earth becomes one portal, there are huge amounts of golden light is dropping into the core of the earth, its, its um, central axis. And then that will go through um, the, the body of the earth herself, and we will be able again to nourish ourselves um, with that golden light. Like prana. Exactly. Wow. That's mind-blowing. There are people, yeah, there are people already living on prana. Um, but I think if we get to that stage, it will be a natural state of being. While now it's still something that is, it is, uh, it is very achievable, but, but it's, I would say, more difficult. Well, is that the point then that we move into what you describe in your book as homo universalis? Yes. Um, we will, we will we will evolve into cosmic beings of light uh, where we just will live from our golden light. Exactly. And then at that point, will we be teachers out in the universe to some other civilizations that may not be as far along as we are? That's possible. But my, what I feel right now when you ask me that question is that, you know, we deserve to... We deserve to um, experience that and seep into that because we have gone through quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. Holy cow. The human story is wild. A lot of ups and downs. But would you say the point of all this really is just to learn what true love is and rebirth that Garden of Eden frequency? Yes, that's the code of abundance. Oh. The, code of, the code of abundance is that we all carry everything within us. And like you have a fruit, how many, how many seeds has one fruit? So it's all about procreation, fractal-wise. There is no scarcity. It's just how we experience it. But it's not really true. We are creators of abundance and wealth. Because everything is made out of the divine, and the divine is infinite. So there's no the way infinite, indeed. I think that very many people get confused by that because they're bound in this material perspective and they can't see that everything, including matter is made out of the divine. So how could there ever be scarcity? Matter is also divine. It's just denser. And yes. yeah, if you just tune into only that and you don't tune into the blueprint that is behind matter, um, then you limit yourself. Do you think some of that limitation is by design by certain forces that want to stifle the development and evolution of humanity? Well, um, you have many old writings about that. Um, you have to, the writings of the Templars, and all kinds of scrolls that indeed go into that direction. And we did fall into denser levels of consciousness. And from that perspective, indeed, it, I think it has been quite difficult for humanity to overcome that. But it is our destiny. 
like you said, we're only ascending. There's only ascension. There's only ascension. And we've gone through the dissension, which is good because we learned so much going through it. Yes. And the information that we learned can benefit beings on multiple dimensions and multiple planets. Whoever is out there, they can learn from our story. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's true. You know, when the soul incarnates on Earth, and sometimes we do a couple of incarnations here, and then in between we go somewhere else. We incarnate on different planets, on different moons or stars. So in between incarnations on Earth, because it's quite a challenge here, or it has been at least, we always um, make ourselves ready for our next incarnation. So even if we have had different incarnations here in between, we have always been in contact with different stars, star people, and we are always guided. So it is a group effort, you would say. Would say, yes. <laughs> well, as a spiritual person, as a developed person that's resonating with love, you want to grow towards that light being reality. So how do we anchor that energy on earth as seeds of light, as these seeds of light? How do we anchor that energy? Which energy do you mean? Just the energy of light and love. Like people that develop themselves, they try to resonate with that energy, but it does require discipline, practice, and techniques. Do you have anything that you could share for people that might help them as they develop more to maintain that light frequency? Um, sometimes, sometimes I believe it just requires a click. Um, it just requires a click to understand that you're here and we can see our life here and our level of consciousness here. But just knowing that we are not only that is also very important. So yes, there are many things, of course, that we can do. Um, but more and more, I feel that we have learned so much in all these incarnations here on earth that we are coming to a point that we just need to wake up. Yes, I agree. That's, uh, that's, essentially the big step towards that ascension as we all wake up how do you think that will happen is it an individual thing and then that energy influences other people and they just start to resonate with that or is it going to be an automatic activation where billions of humans will be activated at once if you ask me that question what the images that i get is that um it is partly individual that from a soul perspective, one knows when um, one will wake up or what, when, when, it, when the light will ignite. And then you get this kind of domino effect because we are all connected. Everyone is connected. So for instance, if I wake up and um, I am connected with other beings, they at their turn are influenced by me. So it is... Um, I would say a group happening, but also from an individual point of view. So it does take personal development 
that will then influence collective development? Yes. Yes. Um, I think personal development is, of course, uh, important, but I, 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 I don't want to also neglect the, um, the, the sole background that someone has. You know, you can have people that have never done any sort of personal development, but if you tune into their soul, they are great souls, for instance, um, and they just need a click. Ah. And sometimes it can be automatic, you're saying, depending on the person. I believe so, yes. Okay. So tell me more about Venus Light technology. What is the Venus Light Path? And who are the light beings of the Venus Light Path? <clears throat> Venus Light beings are creational beings of light. So they are at um, the basis of creation. They, they don't necessarily sculpt souls. They, they don't build a soul. Those are rather the three primordial mothers that I described in my book, the three omegas. Uh, but the Venus Light beings, they guide they guide these um, souls into source field and into the cosmos. And they provide an environment with their energy for us in which we can thrive. So what they do is um, they provide guidance and they nourish also, um, I would say, the, the cosmic grid. So the whole cosmos has this kind of grid. So they're actually um, nourishing this grid so that um, our cosmos stays vibrant. They have this. They have this nourishing role, a restructuring role, a guiding role. They're omnipresent um, throughout the whole cosmos, throughout all segments. So you have atop the cosmos, you have the divine verses. But the more you go down, you you, you drop in lower energies, um, and so they encompass it all. Interesting. But does it have something to do specifically with the planet Venus or is it just the energy? It has nothing to do with the planet Venus. Okay. It's just about that loving Omega energy, like you're saying. Yes. They provide the environment in which we can do what we need to do. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So where do they reside? You're saying it's a, just a couple steps down from pure source? It's just a it's just a couple steps down from pure source and they are omnipresent in the cosmos. So they are fields of light um, and they are omnipresent throughout the whole cosmos. They are a creator. So they create um, universes, galaxies. I saw one that was actually, you know, just with her hands making a vortex like this. Whoa. And was just creating the beginning of a galaxy. So it was very beautiful. Yeah, those are the Venus-like beings. So what does it feel like to be in contact with this energy, with these beings? I mean, you're a human being. I mean, like I said earlier, you probably have an incredible past life resume, but uh, you're a human being. What does it feel like to interact with these energies, these beings? It seems like it would be beyond powerful like it would be almost too much well they're actually very nice and um, very loving <laughs> and they're also very simple so um it's just like i would communicate with you 
interesting. So they're just there. It's just they're just beings of light and love, and they're commu- but still, it's it's outside of the third dimension and very much outside of mainstream thinking. Did it make you feel like you personally had a special role? Um, hmm. Perhaps you were chosen or, or based on your past life experiences, you were meant to be in that role in some way, like destiny? What I, what I know is that um, I was uh, with the earth when the earth incarnated in this solar system. So I, I do follow the earth since quite a while. Um, I spoke in my book about the Bodhisattva energy, you know, very loyal to earth. I yes. feel like that. I feel much love for the earth and also in my life. And uh, throughout many years, um, I feel deeply, deeply, deeply connected. And every day, very grateful for being here, but also... Um, sad that someday I would have to leave. (laughs) It's a bit double being very blissful and yeah, the other side being sad about that too. Um, So uh, what I wanted to say was that um, having been present um, when the earth incarnated in the solar system, um, I also have access to the Akashic records of the earth. Oh, wow. And, um, and that's also a part of creation. So my guess is that I have worked with them um, in the past um, already quite some time. It would make sense if you were here from day one and then you're a bodhisattva. So you're coming back again and again and again until everyone makes it because we all need to get there and it's not fun unless everyone is there. Yeah. And there are many bodhisattvas on earth. And um, the thing is that one more thing, what I often hear is that people would like to leave the earth and move on and ascend and maybe go to greater realms. But it's so, so, obvious for me that in the core of the earth you have the cosmos and you have all the divine verses you have the highest energies possible the earth is just a replication of the highest energies that you can possibly imagine and that is why my book is called a cosmic ascension because you don't need to move about to ascend or to do important things you can do it here it's just a connection through love. Because at the end of the day, each person is their own reality. So that work that they do echoes out into the universe because they are the universe. It's all one. It's all one. And we don't need, really need to move to planets or stars. We actually carry the cosmos in us. We carry the primordial mothers in us. We carry the, our cosmic mother and father in us. So we don't need to stop incarnating on Earth because it will limit our, our, our growth or our ascension possibilities. We can do it all here. And that is one, that's what my book is about. And that's also what my work is about. Yes, we can do it here. And that is the work. I mean, we're here to get 
everyone to that place, it seems like. So if people get lazy or they get overwhelmed and they feel like they can't be here anymore, too bad. They have work to do. They need to come back and get the work done that they signed up for. Well, I think that everyone can be lazy because being lazy is also, um, that's also nice. You know, sometimes you need a break. Some lives are just very lazy and that's also very loving. I I don't mind that. Um, But I, yeah, I was, uh, I think it was, it was just two days ago that I was sitting and I was thinking, what happens with people that, and that remain a bit stuck. What will happen when the earth ascends? And so we, the earth as a loving mother gives us opportunities, incarnation after incarnation, you know, to work with her, to evolve with her, to just be with her and, and share love and, and grow. And at the end, if she ascends, the beings that did not maintain that level, they, they will just go somewhere else where they again will have those opportunities and if again they are lazy or they don't want to you know and other planets keep ascending and and the herring bones of this cosmos start unfolding and and you know we, the, the whole cosmos starts ascending because that's also what my book is about then what happens is that cosmos like being and that's very beautiful when i heard that cosmos will like being will say to those beings, come, we have to go, you can, you can come too. And there will always be other opportunities for everyone. So, um, Interesting. I, think it's, I think it's important that beings that, are high, that have a high level of consciousness, they are the horses that, you know, that um, carry everyone. That carry the carriage. <laughs> I don't mind that doing make that. Things happen, and those that that need time, or those that would like to do it on their own way, they will have opportunities on other moments. Yes, because at the end of the day, again, one of the things that you talked about in your book is that we all choose to exist. Everything's a choice, and choice. Is the basis of existence, right? Yes. And choice, that's the click that I was talking about. You just make that choice. I just said to myself, I want to write a beautiful book. And I want to wake up. And I want to have a cosmic ascension project. That's my choice. And I want to be a divine light being. And that's a choice. And we can all choose that. This is so beautiful. We can all choose that. We can choose to live as light beings. And the Omegas actually want only that. They want us to choose that. They want that we choose a divine life and that we choose eternal bliss once more and that we choose to connect with that. Because we have that as a prima matter in our being. So we just need to reconnect. Just, it's just about reconnection. It's just about reconnection and ease and grace. It does not all need to be hard work. Because it's just unlocking what we already have. 
And the people that aren't resonant with this information are kind of trapped in an illusion because like you said, it's, it's our foundation. It's the core of us. Yeah. And on, on deeper levels, they just make a different choice, which is fine. Right. Like you said, they could go to a different earth-like planet and continue to learn their lessons until they're ready. Yeah. And what I saw was that people that choose different in a different way or that don't choose that, they're not incarnating anymore on earth. They are being brought to different planets um, further away from here. So they're not coming back. Interesting. So as we ascend and as our earth transmutes into the new earth, what happens to humanity after that? Do we have a different mission? I think we will have a different constitution. Uh, we will thrive more on golden light and we will be more ethereal. Um, I, in how I perceived it, um, the frequencies would be also very high and we would be living together with different beings of light that now cannot be here because the energies are too dense. Oh. It would be more a multidimensional society, more a, a cosmic society, which is quite nice. Um, and that's an understatement. <laughs> it's exciting. It's actually really exciting because it's the culmination of all of these progressive efforts, all of these efforts of development and uh, moving humanity forward coalesce into this point. Yes. <sighs> and I think in how I see it is that we can have at that moment just again, a period in which we remember how we lived before and that we can again live in that way and that we can resonate that frequency out into the cosmos. And then we will again be lifted into the cosmic grid because now our, our energies are dense. And it's like, how can I explain? If you have uh, just, I'll explain it in a very visual way. If you have a threads, you put something heavy in it, it, it actually it descends a bit, it hangs. Yes. If the earth becomes lighter, we resonate back into the cosmic grid. And that's where all these high frequencies are coming in. And then we, we are on multidimensional highways. So we are then, we, are, we will be here on earth. But honestly, we will be everywhere. Wow. Because, because we will hear the voices of stars, of star beings that are light years away. We, we will be able to communicate with them by just being here. It's also, these are several times this came up in the book as well, that this is the future we are looking into. Almost like being omnipresent. We can shift time and space and potentially be in multiple places at once even. And here, here, Everything in the cosmos that you want to tune into. Wow. You want, if you choose. Yes, because everything's a choice. Yes. Wow. This is really amazing information. I have to ask you, though, do you realize that your book is incredible? Like, there's so much information in it that it's startling that it's a first book for you. It seems like your yes. 15th book. Your 20th I book? actually like my book quite a lot. Yeah. It's, it's startling. 
and shocking. I, I was advised to subdivide it in five books because there was a lot of information in it and that it would have been better and more digestible, but it just came like this. So I published it like this. And I think, I think it's okay. Oh, I, I loved it. Someone really needs to go into it. That's important that, that someone dives into it. And my audio book is coming out very soon. I'm just finalizing the audio files. So I, this whole book will be on audio file. So that's, I'm, I'm listening to, I'm narrating myself because um, I wanted people to really be able to have the codes, you know, and I was doing Dendera today and I was optimizing it. And at the end of the day, I was listening to it and I was really swelling with light. So wow. um, I think that would be nice too. Yes, because people do process information in different ways. That audio information can be soul nourishing. It's amazing to read something, but when you can go into an almost meditative trance and have that information come through your ears and just feel it, it it's a different experience. Yes. That's why I wanted to make an audio book because then people can just have, you know, immerse themselves in these codes. Yes. They can get lost in it almost. Yes. That's amazing. And you, and you said you're going to be uh, narrating it yourself. Oh, I have narrated all, or all is ready, but I'm just optimizing all files. Yeah. Wow. I'm editing all files together <laughs> with the audio engineer. Yeah. Wow. This is mind blowing information. So if you love the book, just realize there's audio books coming out soon, but I want to ask you a few more questions. We have some more time. I want to ask you about the star council of eight. Who are yes. the star council of eight? Did you like the personalities? Kind of. Yes. I was trying to grasp it all. There's different ones, but tell me about this. Um, the star council of eight. So um, it's a star council of eight and each council has two representatives and each pair um, is again responsible for multiple constellations Yes, and yep. they all are the grid. They almost cover the entire cosmos. Um, not they don't. If, if the if you imagine that the cosmos is spherical, then it it's actually more like an octahedron. So it, the star council of eight is quite extensive, and these beings um, ensure that everyone who is a part of the council receives guidance. So they're the ones seeding all planets. They're the one taking care of the golden disk of Anubia. That's how I called it or how it was um, transferred. Um, and they ensure that we all evolve at the same pace, side by side. So um, they're actually our stellar, I would say, brothers and sisters, if you may say it like that. And then, of course, you have, yeah, you have different, they all have different um, appearances. You have more etheric ones, more plasma ones. You have ones that are actually completely invisible. They're just transparent or they just make a sound. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the Star Council of Eight. So where would they exist 
I guess in the hierarchy, for lack of a better word, but in, in the hierarchy of these light beings and these angelic beings, would they again be just a couple steps from source or are they like angels? I, I don't experience them as angels. Maybe they are. Um, I didn't I didn't perceive them like that. And um, if you ask me the question, what I see is that they are present throughout the cosmos inside of the cosmos. So they're not conveying source codes or they're not occupying by by conveying energy. They're, they're occupying what they're doing is um, interconnecting, keeping everyone interconnected and keeping an eye on the multidimensional highways that connect all planets, stars, moons, um, and what and what and what more. So they are more about um, keeping everyone attuned on the same level on the same frequency. Um, so that we can all ascend, because we will ascend all together. There's no, you know, there's no competition. Um, at a certain point, the cosmos will unlock its central axis, and it will also unfold its petals, as I described it like that. And then everyone will just go. So, you know, if I, from my soul perspective, now have a higher consciousness than someone else, it really doesn't matter because we have to go all together anyhow. So we might as well just share knowledge. Um, and that's the code of abundance. I also describe these um, as this ascension staircase um, in the book. And these are staircases. These are um, possibilities of making quantum leaps. And this, the Star Council of Eight, they gather um peri periodically and each come each each member brings something forward and what each members each member brings forward that actually is um a nugget of information of codes that other members of the of the light council can use to evolve so we are all helping each other and bringing something uh, forward um, so that we can all benefit from it. So it's, it's, they actually are based upon sharing. You know, I have, I have brought forward this book with this knowledge and people will read it, they will ignite within and on their turn, they will bring something forward. And that is how it should be. Definitely. Like I said, it, the book does seem itself to be a blueprint of initiation. If you really want to activate yourself, if you want to get in touch with what Sabrina is talking about, you can just read the book. It's, it's just pretty amazing. But you talk about in your book, the 144 dimensions and seven universes. So does each universe have their own council of eight or are these beings controlling the multiverse? Um, the Council of Eight controls the multiple. It doesn't control. Yeah, it controls, but it's more they're well, just yeah. present. Right. They abide, you know, they abide in the multiverse, but they do control it because they, 
from a in a positive way, you know, because yes. they they ensure that we evolve together. But the seven universes—that's the cosmic key of life. That's something different. Now that is more, you know, the Earth in her ascension um, is ascending throughout this cosmic key of life, and this cosmic key has these different kind of um, universes, multiverses where you move through, and that is an ascension staircase too. And the Earth is now moving towards the fifth, and that's the ultraviolet sun. So it's moving towards the alt, the fifth, you're saying? Yes. Um, this is moving towards the fifth. Um, in, in the cosmic key of life, you have the seven universes, the seven multiverses, and it's moving towards the fifth. So we are in the fourth. We're moving towards the fifth going to the sixth, the seventh, and then we unlock. Wow. So there, there's still two more to go. Yes. Oh, wow. So there, there's still more. There's still a bigger journey. There is still a bigger journey. Yes. Wow. Well, but it won't, it won't be in this solar system. Oh my God. That's incredible to think about. So that will be another moment in which the earth will drop all dimensions collapse all dimensions will remain with her core seed of life only and that will be moved into another multiverse which is also in, into the structure of this cosmic key of life so will that next universe have the dimensions uncollapsed and then they will have to collapse again for us to move to that seventh universe it will be a huge sun yes Wow. To a completely different structure. Wow. It's just incredible, incredible to talk about. It's incredible. Your book is called Enlightenment Codes for Cosmic Ascension. We've had an incredible interview. I want to tell people where to find you. Your website is first place is Sabrina Denito.com. That's S-A-B-R-I-N-A-D-I-N-I-T-T-O, SabrinaDenito.com. You can find her there. She also has EnlightenmentCodes.com, focusing on what we're talking about. And if you go to her website, you'll find she also has Merkaba Practitioner Training. And soon there will be some trainings in Venus Light Technology. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for being here. We've had an incredible interview. Your book is so advanced. It's just advanced. If you read this book, it's going to open you up. It's going to unlock your thinking. It's going to take your thinking in maybe a place that's never been before. Or if you've kind of touched on some of these subjects, it's going to be the deepest deep dive you've ever done. It's pretty mind-blowing. And Sabrina, before we go, is there anything that you would like to tell our audience about our ascension process, some advice, where we're going? Well, what I would like to say is that I really deeply wish that everyone unlocks their seeds. Um, I spoke in my book about the moon grid. It's not only our moon, but the moon belongs to a larger grid network that is actually responsible for, you know, midwifing and unlocking. And so... I really hope through my book or through any other book that they feel resonant with that we that we all unlock and that we all you know evolve. That is my my deep wish. 
while it will happen, especially thanks to your book and the other authors and people out there that are helping humanity ascend and Check out that book, everyone. Enlightenment Codes for Cosmic Ascension. You can find it on Amazon or wherever you get your books. You can find it there. And Sabrina, thank you so much for being here. Incredible interview. We did amazing. Please hold through the outro music. And everyone, whoa, talk about density. This is an incredibly dense interview. And please check out that book. And we will see you next week. Midnight on Earth.